0: Welcome to Safe Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. We
1: got say-
0: Save Coastal Wildlife is a nonprofit located in New Jersey with the goal of educating people about the preservation and protection of coastal wildlife along the Jersey Shore. More information about Save Coastal Wildlife and our citizen scientists and volunteer activities can be found at our website savecoastalwildlife.org. Now here is the show.
2: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. This is the pod that shows you all the ways to protect and preserve coastal wildlife with a special importance on the Jersey Shore because, hey, that's where we're based. My name is Joe Reynolds, the director of Safe Coast to Wildlife Nonprofit. If you want to reach me, you can send me an email at the letter J, J Reynolds at Wildlife.org, or just visit our website at safecoastowildlife.org. Tonight, we're taking an in-depth look at New Year resolutions and ways to protect wildlife. Can we combine the two of them into something special? But first, let's start at the beginning of New Year's resolutions, which is... Always a good place to begin, I think. At the beginning, did you know that the ancient Babylons are said to have been the first people to make New Year's, new year's resolutions some 4,000 years ago? It's true, according to the History Channel webpage, the Babylonians, which had great empire, great empire that spanned from the Persian Gulf to the Mediterranean Sea, were said to be the first known people to hold recorded celebrations in honor of the new year for them the year began not in january but in mid-march when the crops were planted which to me makes more sense i always thought that the year should begin in the spring and not in winter winter just seems cold and dark and spring is light and things are starting to grow during a massive 12-day religious festival the babylonians crowned a new king or reaffirmed their loyalty to the reigning king they also made promises to the gods to pay their debts and return any objects they had borrowed, these promises could be considered the forerunner of our New Year's resolutions. If the Babylons kept their word, their pagan gods would bestow favor on them for the coming year. If not, they would fall out of the gods' favor, a place no one really wanted to be. Thousands of, year la- uh, thousands of years later, a similar practice occurred in ancient Rome after the reform-minded ruler Julius Caesar tinkered with the calendar and established January 1st as the beginning of the new year around 46 B.C. Named for Janus, the two-faced god whose spirit inhabited doorways and arches and also, I think, the sister of Tony Soprano from the show on HBO. Could I be right on that? Maybe not. January had a special significance for the Romans, believing that Janus symbolically looked backwards into the previous year and ahead into the future. The Romans offered sacrifices to the deity and made promises of good conduct for the coming year. For early Christians, the first day of the new year became the time for thinking about one's past, one's past mistakes, and resolving to do better into the future. According to the Webster dictionary website, New Year's resolutions became a thing for people in the 17th century. A 1671 note from the diaries of Anne Hackett, a writer and a member of the Scottish nobility, contains a number of pledges, typically taken from the biblical verses, just such as, I will not offend anymore. Hackett tiled the page resolutions and wrote them on January 2nd, which would probably indicate that the practice was in use at the time, even if people did not refer to it as New Year's resolutions. Shortly after this, the words New Year began to appear before resolutions. The full phrase is found in the January 1st issue of a Boston newspaper from 1813 in a short article titled The Friday Lecture. The article reads, And yet I believe there are a multitude of people accustomed to receive injunctions of a New Year's resolutions who will sin all the month of December with a serious determination of beginning the new year, with new resolutions and new behaviors, and with the full belief that they shall atone and wipe away all their former faults. Wow, people people wrote funny back then. Today many people make New Year's resolutions. According to Forbes magazine, the most popular New Year's resolutions are about self-improvement, no surprise there. Living healthier, 23% of people want to get healthier. Um, 23% actually want to get happy, 21% want to lose weight, 21% want to do more exercise, 5% want to stop smoking, and 2% want to reduce drinking. In addition, people resolve to meet career or job goals, 16% of those people, and 11% want to improve their relationships with their partners or family members. Despite their big plans, though, only 8% of people will achieve their New Year's resolutions. Sad to say. Very sad. This is according to a study by the University of Scranton, PA. And yet, and yet, very few people make resolutions to improve the environment, such as to plant more trees or to use less plastic, perhaps only the fact that the mass media on TV in general talks very little about New Year's resolutions and the environment. It's almost like the two really don't exist, are the talking heads in the media on television. Probably due to the fact that the fossil fuel industry, including the plastic industry and even the pharmaceutical industry, pays for much of the advertising you see on television today one way or another. So let's, tonight, let's see tonight if we can make some New Year's resolutions that will actually help improve the environment and save the wildlife along the coast, or really anywhere, and make people feel better about themselves. To help me do this, I'm joined tonight by two good friends and members of Safe Coast to Wildlife, Jen Zicone, who lives in Asbury Park. Hi. And Samantha, Samantha Chrysler, who lives in Long Branch, New Jersey. Woo. <laughs> Thank
3: you. <Thanks.
2: laughs> Greetings to you both, ladies, and Happy New Year.
3: Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Merry 2020.
4: Yeah.
2: Great to have you back on the podcast.
4: Good to be here.
2: So That's what are your nice. thoughts? Any New Year's resolutions? T-
4: um, yeah. I, I mean, do you want to know my, like, you know, regular, <laughs> all of my, uh, resolutions about meditating more and exercising more and eating less and all those, or do you want to know my save coastal wildlife specific resolutions, Joe? Um,
2: I want to hear about your private resolutions. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want to share all those. <laughs> I have a very long list I mean, and you, you're not supposed to do that. Apparently you're not supposed to make a, a long list of resolutions. It only leads to, uh, disappointment. So I think I'm going to stick to my, um, my resolutions about wildlife instead. Um, yeah. Um, one thing that I, I, I try to do, but I'm going to be better about is, you know, I go for a lot of walks. We go, I live by the beach, obviously. And I have a lake at the end of my street and I go for a lot of walks and, um, a lot of times, I just see garbage and plastic, like at the you know, at the beach or by the lake, and I and I just kick myself because you know I don't have anything to pick it up with, and I, I hate walking by it. So um, I am going to start carrying a trash bag on my walks whenever I go for walks, so that you know I can pick things up so they don't end up in the ocean or in the lake. Um, instead, there's always a lot of plastic and garbage
3: around. I think that's a great resolution, And other people will see you doing it and will be inspired by you, Jen. I hope to inspire
4: people. They might just look at me like I'm a crazy bag lady, but (laughs) maybe I'll inspire a few people or, you know, make them feel guilty at least. I don't know.
3: (laughs) I would like to learn some, some new species. I think it's really one of my resolutions is to learn 10 new species this year because i really over the pandemic i really started getting into bird to birding you know some people baked bread some people started knitting and you know i took up birding and it brought me a lot of joy to look out the window and be able to identify a cedar waxwing so so i think i want to learn 10 new bird species this year and uh, learn cool facts about them, so I can drop some knowledge. And now I just picture like you, crazy bag lady, and me like ranting about birds to people on the road. And I think our resolutions are going to scare people. <laughs>
4: <laughs> or inspire. It could go either way.
2: <laughs> now, do so, guys, what about you? Do you guys usually keep your resolutions?
4: If I say it out loud to to publicly, yes, I do. Which I just did, so now I have to.
3: So now you're you're held to it on the podcast.
4: <laughs> I if anybody sees me walking around without a garbage bag, now they can shave me. What about you, Joe? Do you have any? I have a few more, but...
2: Yeah, do you? Well, I mean, uh, looking around, there was a guy, a professor from New York City, a guy named Mark Maselli. I was looking at his New Year's resolutions, and he Mm -hmm. focused on global warming, things that people can do or what we should be doing for global warming. And Mm -hmm. so he would like to ban coal worldwide, um, remove fossil fuel subsidies, which I don't think a lot of people realize that the government gives money to the federal, or the federal government gives money to the fossil fuel industry um Mm -hmm. which is kind of sad in a way um people should switch to renewable energy phase out gas and oil ban non-electric vehicles people should walk and cycle more um and try to reforest plant more trees yeah those are some big resolutions those are very big resolutions uh, but one thing I would like to do is to um, reduce the amount of milk and animal products that people buy. I think it'd be nice if people can, um, because you know, so much energy and time, um, and fossil fuels, goes into making a steak or making a hamburger, or growing yeah. a chicken or raising cattle or pigs. You know, that bacon um, it takes a lot of fossil fuels. It takes a lot of energy takes a lot of fresh water, and I don't think people really totally realize just how much energy, fresh water. I mean, you could look it up online, but there's a, a tremendous amount of resources that go into that steak or that hamburger or that bacon. And so if you just cut back a little bit, you know, maybe you can't go vegan all the way, but you could certainly cut back and have, you know, not meat maybe every day, but maybe every other day or, you know, meatless Mondays or something. And so if you can go vegan maybe one day or two days or vegetarian a couple of days, um, I think that would not only help your health, make you feel better, um, but also improve the environment.
4: Yeah, I I think the stat is, um, it's like over 1800 gallons of water for one pound of beef um, to produce one pound of beef, it's crazy. Um,
2: That's totally crazy.
3: Yeah. And, but I, yeah. I, I think uh, a lot of plant based options are like in the market now. I don't know if you guys heard that KFC is launching like worldwide, uh, nationwide um, vegan meat. So it's really exciting that like a lot of these, it's a lot easier than it was, let's say, you know, 15, 20 years ago to be vegetarian and vegan and to lay off some of those meat products that are, that are really so bad for the environment um, and for the fossil fuel industry. Oh, hell yeah. um, you yeah. know,
2: it's a lot easier. When I was uh, starting have to be a vegan like 20 years ago or so, I mean, it was really hard. There weren't many options. There yeah. was no whole foods or, you know, you had to, there was like a health food store was probably like 20 miles away or something or 30 miles away. It's was uh-huh. really difficult to be, you know, vegan or vegetarian many years ago. It's much easier nowadays, but still, you know, I think there's a stigma because when you, you know, when you watch like TV shows, people are like eating meat or, you know, you watch like these food shows on TV, people are making dishes with meat. Um, It's, it's hard still to, uh, to think about vegan food and, and, you know, switching over to vegan, a, a vegan diet.
4: Yeah. I mean, I feel like a tide is definitely turning like, like Sam said, you know, When, when, when companies like KFC are are putting plant-based options on their menu, you know, that a tide is turning because, you know, that that means that, that, you know, there's money to be made. So, (laughs) and, um, and so, yeah, I, I hope so it's, you know, I definitely know a lot more vegetarians than I, I used to and, and, you know, and it's true. It's like, you don't, you know, people think, oh, you have to label yourself and become vegan, but really anything you cut, anything you can cut back makes a difference, you know?
3: If everybody just made a slight effort um, in that sense, if, you know, everybody did meet this Monday or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, like anything like that. We do sit, the- like,
4: yeah, yeah, there's one, I forget there's one guy out there. Is it Mark Bittman? He's like vegan till six o'clock at night or something like that. Like, you know, all your day meals are, or vegan, something like that. So,
2: yeah. Those are good ideas. So what else do you have? What other ideas or resolutions do you have?
4: um i also um where i live I, I you know one great thing that's been happening um as far as coastal wildlife goes is the return of so many ospreys um to our area and um, right around where i live here I, at deal lake um we had about five pairs this year where we used to only have one or two and um and every year they they, they nest on top of the power lines um, right by Asbury Park and this is the year I'm going to get them platforms and put and try and put up a couple of new ones um, because it kills because one of them didn't have a successful nest because it was like you know right in the on a power line um, you know right on the road and so um, I'm, and you know there's just nowhere near the lake so I'm go that is I'm going to make that happen this year
2: so where can we put the Osprey platform where we can put a new home for them then
4: Um, Well, I'm hoping maybe we can put what they'll let us put one near um, in Lock Arbor, where they are nesting right now somewhere right near there. Um, And then I was going to, you know, a lot of them, two of them nest, two pairs nest in Asbury High School. And I was hoping maybe they would let us put up a platform or two. Um, maybe on the on the high school grounds or near there.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Definitely reach out to them and see if we can do that because um, spring yeah. will be here. March will be here before you know it.
4: I know, this is what happens. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's why I have to do it now. That's why it's a New Year's
2: resolution. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What about you, Samantha? Anything else?
3: Um, I would like to, I know it's not 100% Avoidable, but I would like to shop uh, secondhand majority of the time. I started doing a lot of goodwill rating um, last year, and you know, this year, um, you know, I have a lot of weddings coming up and some formal events, and uh, there are some dresses that you know I'll buy once and I'll never wear it again. And, and fast fashion and um, some of these textiles and fabrics that they use are so bad. Speaking about water, um, they use a lot of water. They use a lot of toxic dyes. That are so bad for the environment. So um, it's it's always better to buy secondhand or or buy you know things that are made organically or with or without toxins. Um, so that being said, if anybody has a floor length pink dress gown in my size, any of our listeners or anyone here, you let me know because uh, I'm uh, I need I'm in need. <laughs>
2: What's your size? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Am I this in the air?
2: You said your size.
3: <laughs> I think I think I would need a medium after my my chunky COVID COVID fifteen that I've gained here. Um, maybe that'll be on my New Year's resolutions to lose it. So you could find me a small and I'll make it a gold dress. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, um yeah. And I mean if you listen to our um microplastics podcast too, Joe was telling us horrifying things about how. You know, sure. the esters and all the, you know, synthetic fabrics um, put super microplastics into the water, too. So I, I think about that all the time now when I buy clothes. Like I try not to buy anything made of synthetic fabrics.
2: Yeah, like including- fleece, fleece or lycra. So like mm-hmm. your yoga pl- pants and all that stuff, um, you know, a lot of bathing suits. They're all, uh, it's all plastic. Sad. Speaking of which, so another um, another uh, resolution or uh, thing I would like to see happen in the new year is for more people to share the shore with wildlife. So along the Jersey Shore, there are piping plovers that nest on our ocean beaches. And some towns are good. Some towns are not so good. Some towns, you know, people get angry that they have to share the beach with these little tiny birds that are about the size of your hand. I'm talking about piping plovers. You know, during July and August, it gets really hot here and people go to the beach to cool off. And so beach, especially on the weekends, can get really, really crowded. And so they people will see this area, you know, I think it's Sandy Hook is a prime example where they just put ropes, these little string ropes or cones saying you can't go on this beach. And so this entire stretch of beautiful beach is closed off. So piping plovers have room to to feed and, and forage for food. And so people get pissed. They're like, wait, I want to go there because it's crowded where I'm at. I want to go there because there's no people there. And so people mm-hmm. try to sneak in under the rope past the cones. And then lo and behold, some little like teenage park ranger has to come along you know on a summer job and tell the person you can't go there you got to get out and the person get all pissed off and they start arguing and so it would just be nice if people can just you know share the beach with wildlife which you Mm -hmm. know wildlife have been there for thousands millions of years we've really only been to the beach since like the 1800s so they certainly have dibs to be there and not us
4: yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely um, asked people in Sandy Hook, you know, up at the North Beach when the oyster catchers are, um, when they're nesting there um, to move and I've been yelled at. Weren't
2: you call a Karen called a carrot or something? Karen.
4: I was called a carrot, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It was very upsetting. Um, but, you know, but even they put the, you know, they put the ropes up. Yeah, it's just kind of like a string but you know they're there for a reason, and um, yeah,
2: people just walk
4: right over it. It's
2: very upsetting. Mm. I, it really is, and then. You know, and this is the reason why its bird populations go down because we have such a loss of habitat. You know, they have a hard time yeah. finding place to nest, and then when they do, people are coming over, or maybe the nest will get flooded because of a sea level rise. There's all these mm-hmm. things that happen, and so it'd just be nice if people can respect these areas. Don't enter. Don't don't try to enter any sort of areas that are posted or fenced off. You know, keep your dogs on a leash. Uh, this happens, I think, in Long Branch because. Um, There's sometimes piping plovers that nest over there. But at nighttime, there's people that walk their dogs when they really shouldn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, that's going to scare the birds and and the young. And by the way, I should point out, this is kind of unusual for baby shorebirds. You know, when you think of baby birds, people often think of robins, and the mother bird comes with a worm and feeds the, the little baby robin. But for lots of shorebirds, when they break out of the egg... Like a day or two later, they're already walking on the beach looking for food. So you have like this little cotton ball. Like it's literally this uh-huh. cotton ball with legs walking around uh-huh. the beach looking for food. And so if you have a dog or something, you know, that dog is, it really could eat the little baby bird or, you know, at least scare it. And um, it's just not a good yeah. mix. So um, this is this is the really the reason why they, they close off these beaches because the little piping plovers are foraging for food. Um, and, and they just, you know, they get into, you know, horrible situations sometimes when people are walking uh-huh. or playing or walking their dog or whatever.
3: Uh-huh. I mean, I think it's just super important that people know about it and also keep their distance. I mean, imagine how scared those little cotton balls are and they expend all their energy, like running away from this big, giant, scary man in a, in a really <laughs> skimpy bathing suit. And... Um, <laughs>
2: Or no bathing suit no, if you're talking about the nude beach over at yeah, Gunnison Beach. Right.
3: And yeah. then if they see an actual predator, they've expended all their energy to run away from you or it's scary, right. sir, who, you know, Jen and I would run away from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they don't have the energy to run away from their predators. So it's, it's important to know that, you know, there's a whole ecosystem out there and we're just coming in on their territory.
2: Right. Absolutely. Which uh, brings up another really important uh, resolution would be great if we could see people like get more involved in the environmental movement, local environmental movement. If people can do something in their towns to plant more trees, just something to improve Mm -hmm. habitat for a while. If it could be just something, if you own like a piece of property, if you have a house with a small piece of property, just, you know, instead of like having all grass, a little section or maybe your entire backyard or front yard as a, as a meadow, as a wildlife meadow or something to attract birds and butterflies and and rabbits and things like that. I mean, if you could just do something to improve habitat for wildlife, that would be great. If you could just, you know, come to cleanups, you know, save close to Wildlife. We're trying to do a cleanup every month. Um, you know, if you could just participate in these cleanups because no animal wants to, like, look for food where there's trash nearby. Uh, there was a wood stork Um, At Sandy Hook, you know, this amazing, beautiful animal that's threatened in the state of Florida. Uh, Two juveniles have been seen recently over at Sandy Hook. And I was uh, looking at them and and you could see one of them picking up trash, thinking it was food. And I don't know if it was eating it or not, but I just was really disturbed by that. Um, So, you know, if you could have a cleanup. We're going to try to have a cleanup over there um, pretty soon to get rid of some of that trash. But, you know, if people can participate in cleanups, save land as open space, use less pesticides, fertilizers, you know, use less plastic, um, which just contributes to global warming, which is destroying habitat. You know, all these things are connected in the environment. Yeah,
4: that was on my list too. I'm in my own garden to um, plant more Plants that are, you know, attract bees and butterflies, and um, you know, create a better habitat on my own little tiny postage stamp um, piece of the world over here. <laughs> so.
3: I think that's something. Something that's just as important is like making the time to go out and appreciate nature. You know, going out and going for a hike just makes makes you appreciate and want to, you know, want to give back to to the environment. You go out and even in the dead of winter, we went to the beach a couple of weeks ago and no one was on the beach. And it was such a nice experience to just get back to nature and, and you feel it in your bones that, you know, this is something that you want to do good by. So, so you know, all those things are super important, but also like reconnecting with nature on, on like a personal level of like reminding yourself of why you love the environment so much and make you want to plant that pollinator garden or, um, you know, stuff like that.
2: Absolutely. Really good ideas. I mean, if people could just get back to nature, I know, you know, now with COVID people are going outdoors more and that's a good thing. But now that people mm-hmm. are outdoors, take the next step and to learn a little bit about nature, learn a little bit about the trees and the plants and the animals that you're seeing in your local town or neighborhood. You often be surprised at really what lives in your town, what plants and animals are living in your town. Some people are surprised. They're like, wow, I remember we showed a video at some point in time uh, about puffer fish. And people were surprised that there was puffer fish along the Jersey shore. People are routinely surprised that uh, there are seahorses that live along the Jersey shore. So, I mean, you'd be surprised just what's living in your own little neck of the woods here in New Jersey or wherever you might be living. Uh, There's some really cool animals that could be living in your town.
4: Yeah. If you, I mean, right here between Lake Como and Rec Pond and Deal Lake, there's so many winter ducks all different kinds, buffleheads and mergansers. And, and um, there, I mean, there's just all these super cool ducks that, you know, live way up North all summer and they come down here and there, you could see like 10 different kinds of ducks and geese and swans, you know, just in the, in the lakes right here in central New Jersey. So look around. It's amazing what you'll see. They're absolutely
2: beautiful. Yeah, absolutely true. All right. Well, ladies, I think that's it. I think that's all the time we have here for Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. I know it's very sad. We could talk about this forever and ever and ever. So many
1: things. So
2: People (laughs) will just have to come back next time to listen to us. So thank you, Jen. Thanks, Samantha, for joining me tonight. Thanks for having us. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
0: You have been listening to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. More information about Save Coastal Wildlife and our citizen scientists and volunteer activities, including monitoring horseshoe crabs and seals to beach cleanups and monitoring the beach for microplastics, can be found at our website, www.savecoastalwildlife.org. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please share the podcast on social media and tell your family and friends about it. If you would like to support Save Coastal Wildlife, please go to our website and click on the donate button at savecoastalwildlife.org. Thank you for your support. We depend on the kindness and generosity of people for everything we do. Join us next time for another episode of Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. Cleaning up the beach, the
1: fish swim by. Get all the birds Left on the shore The birds and the fish won't